that bumper. There's Bibles in the back. Go grab a Bible. We got plenty of Bibles. Go grab a Bible. You're going to need it. If you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible in the back. Grab a Bible in the back. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. It does. There you go. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hey, if you just grabbed a Bible in the back, it's on page 945. 945, if you just grab one of those black hardback cover Bibles, it's on page 945 in your Bible. Book of Hebrews is back towards the back of the New Testament. Book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 8. We're going to be going over Hebrews chapter 8 tonight. Hebrews chapter 8. Y'all finding it okay? 945 if you grabbed a Bible in the back. Page 945. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. All right, do I have any gamers in the room tonight? All right. We got some gamers. Y'all like the, the game consoles? All right, let me tell you, the first game console I had was a Super Nintendo. Anybody ever play with a Super Nintendo? Okay, okay, come on, come on. So it was gray and had little purple buttons, and the, the game was a little rectangle that you would put in it. And we would play that, and it's got the little sticker of the game, and you pop, pop it in there. And if there, was an ever, if there ever was an issue with the game, you know what you did? You popped it out, and you go put it back in, and magically it worked. I don't know why, but it was the secret sauce. But I went from the Super Nintendo to the PlayStation 1. Whoa. And we had a, a small one, so it was like this size, and it was just bigger than a disc. Uh, I know some of you guys don't use discs anymore. Like it's a little, it kind of looks like a CD, which you may not know what a CD is. You put it in there, and you play the game. So I went from a Super Nintendo to a PlayStation 1, and then, like, years later, we got an Xbox, the original Xbox. And that thing is, like, 50 pounds. That thing is honking. That thing was heavy. And then, like, towards the end of high school, I got an Xbox 360. So, went through, I was, yeah, I know, I'm an X, I was an Xbox guy. I know some of y'all PlayStation are probably shutting me off now, but don't, don't shut me off just yet. But you see, there's a progression. And what's the Xbox y'all play with now? Series X, it's probably like hologram in your room. You guys are playing it like it's so advanced. Y'all like download games off the cloud. Like what in the world? But each year or each console, they got better, right? The, 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 the graphics on Paperboy on Super Nintendo are much different than 2K23 on the Xbox X, Series X or whatever it is now. Right, the graphics are better. It's, it's faster. It's cleaner. More expensive, it's more expensive, but it has progressed and it is much better than the Super Nintendo. But in the moment when I was playing the Super Nintendo, study, when I was playing the Super Nintendo, was that a bad console? No, it wasn't. It was great. It was what we had in the moment and it was awesome for us. Now, but as we look now in 2023, we look and we're like, oh my goodness, that was so elementary. But in the moment, it was what we needed. We've been talking about in Hebrews of the old covenant and the new covenant. The old priesthood and now the new priesthood. 
And many times we can look at the old priesthood and say, oh, that was no good. It's what the people needed in the moment. It was good for them. But it was never meant to fully satisfy. There was always meant to be something that was greater, and that's the new priest, Jesus, the new new covenant in which he brings and what we're going to learn about tonight. And what I want to, we're going to talk about this idea of covenant. And covenant is essentially a promise or an agreement between two parties. Jesus is now the author of this new covenant in which we live. And we're going to learn what that means for us tonight and what that means for us and what it, it gives us and how we live in it. So my overall theme for us, if you're taking notes, if you've got a journal out, my overarching theme of what I want us to understand tonight is that Jesus offers better promises than what this world can give. Jesus offers better promises than what this world can give. Let me read chapter 8, verse 6, and then we'll pray. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it's enacted on better promises. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your living and active word. Lord, I thank you for middle school. As I always say, middle school is the best school. God, thank you for their love for you, their energy, and I pray that you would speak to us tonight. Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? And Lord, would you save students tonight? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about this new covenant tonight, right? It's better. It's great. We need to know it. We're going to talk about four promises that it gives us. And these four promises we're going to go through, and we're going to go through each one and I want us to really if, to take notes on this and this for, to be something that we memorize. Because as we go through life, we need to memorize these good promises that Jesus gives us. The first promise I want us uh, to know that the new covenant gives us, it gives us a promise uh, that Jesus rules over all. A promise that Jesus rules over all. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 says, Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Hey, I worked at Canicut Camps, if you've heard of it. I worked there four summers in college. That's where I met my wife, Brittany. Uh, it's where the Lord dra drastically changed my life. And one of the things that it taught me that I use in fatherhood now uh, is my first five weeks of being a counselor, I had 10 to 11-year-olds. And uh, they fall sometimes, and they get hurt, and we had even younger kids than that. And one of the things they taught us as counselors, hey, when your kid falls and busts his face, y'all ever fell and bust your face? Y'all have little siblings that, like, just trip over their feet and just, like, smack their head and smack the, the corner of the table and, like, twist their ankle? Like, that happens a lot. One of the things they taught us is they react not to their situation but to the person they're looking to, the person in charge of them. So these, these campers, they would fall. And they would fall, and they would skin their knee, or they'd hit their head. And the first person they lo would look at is their counselor. And the way we reacted is how they would react. So if they just like, oh, they just fell, and we're like, oh, ow, man, that hurts. Are you okay? And they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm crying. Like, this is a big deal. You are acting big, you know, big emotions. I'm going to act with big emotions. And it's just a really bad show. But if. They fell and bonked their head and skinned their knee, and we were acting like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, we're good, man. That was impressive. You're really tough. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah I, I am tough. And, like, they're walking it off, and they're, like, really strong because they're, they're taking, right, the lead of who's in charge of them. So listen to this. The promise of the new covenant 
is that Jesus rules overall. He's this seated at the right hand of the Father. Here's the thing. There's going to be bad things that happen in your life. Y'all are going to fall on your face. Y'all are going to make some dumb mistakes. Some bad things are going to happen to you, right? Maybe you're going to get bullied at school. Maybe you got people gossiping about you. Maybe your parents are fighting night after night after night. Maybe you're struggling with school. Maybe you're struggling with friends or you're not making the first chair or you're not making varsity and you just feel like, man, this is, my life is ruined. Here's the thing. When all else fails, when all things go wrong in our life and we're facing the trials, we can have peace because we know that Jesus reigns on high. Because Romans 8.28 says that he works all things together for good. That no matter what is happening in our life, we can always trust that Jesus is in charge of everything. That he's going to take care of everything. Many times we look at our issue, right? We may have things going on that we're struggling with. And if imagine I had a coin uh, right here, and I just held it in front of my eye. If I had a coin right here, do you think I would be able to see Sam Melton right there? No. Do you think I would be able to see Ava Clay right here? No, I wouldn't be able to, right? Because the, the penny is in front of our eye. It's right in front of my eye. Here's the thing we do with our issues and our problems sometimes. We get so consumed with them, right, that we're not making this friend group or we're not making the first chair, we're not making the A's that we feel like we're expected to, and we are just consumed with it. We're consumed with it, and we think, this world, what it offers me if I get straight A's or if I make the first chair, if I make the varsity, then I will be satisfied. I will be good. And we get so consumed, and when we don't uh, accomplish that, we continue to go down and down and down, and our life is just, right, all is vanity and all is failure. But here's the thing I want us to challenge. I want to challenge you with. Instead of just focusing so much on that issue, on that problem, I want you to take a step back. I want you to move the penny so you can see everything, to have some perspective. Because God is working all things together for good of those who love him. That no matter what is going on in your life, that we can have peace and trust and faith that God is working above all. Because he is in the most powerful seat in the world, in the nation, in the universe. Because it says in verse 1, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. No matter what this world can throw at you, we can have faith and trust that Jesus is in control. And golly, when things are going bad, that's what we need to look to. That determines our reaction, that determines our next step. Not our friends, not our situations, but Jesus ruling from his throne. The second promise that we need to remember, need to look to, need to to have faith in, is that it's now a promise to minister completely. That he promises to minister completely. Let me read a couple verses uh, of this, uh, verses 2 through 9. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest to also have something to offer. Now, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Verse 5, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect a tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. He gives us a promise that he will minister completely. So my in-laws, they live here. They come to Quail Springs Baptist Church, and they 
they they don't live too far from here. But a couple years ago, when they were building their house, they got a pool. They built a pool, and I've never built a pool before. Never had pools before. Don't really know the process. They had never had uh, any ground pools put in before. So they they get this person. They enlist them. Like awesome, you're gonna help us out with our pool. And they're like, okay, hey, it's gonna be done by this day. Well, when that day comes, it's not even close to being done. And he said, okay, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to finish this part of the pool. Comes tomorrow, he's never there. Next day, he's never there. Next week, he's not there. But he's here the next week. He said, hey, I need money for the next part of the, the construction. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait up. You never even finished the first part of the construction. Can you imagine the confidence that they did not have in their pool guy? That Every step of the way, they were questioning if he was actually going to do what he says he was going to do. And it took months beyond their completion date for the pool to finally get done, and not even to the, to the stipulations that was in the contract. Like, he did not even finish the job, and they had to contract somebody else to finish what was supposed to be done. Can you imagine living like that, where you're like, I cannot believe what this person is going to do next. I can't have faith or put trust in what they're doing. It's the opposite with Jesus. In this verse, we see this promise that he will minister completely. Because we see the last several weeks we've been talking about the old priest. Y'all been talking about the old priest? Cooper been telling you about that? And now we have a new priesthood, right? New priesthood of Jesus. The old priest, they would go into the Holy of Holies. They would go into the tabernacle, and they would have to make a sacrifice for themselves to make themselves clean in order to sacrifice for everybody else. So if we're, we're back in biblical times, we just time traveled right there. I would have to, if I was the priest, I would have to make a sacrifice for myself to be able to make a sacrifice for you, for you to be temporarily clean, right? That was, it's, it's not bad. It's what the people needed in the moment. But verse 5 says, it is but a shadow of what was to come. And that Jesus, it says in verse 2, he's a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up. It says, Jesus, he's not here in a earthly tabernacle, but he's a minister in the Holy of Holies in heaven, that Jesus is perfectly and completely ministering on your behalf. Y'all hear the promise that Cooper talked about last week in Hebrews 7? In verse 26, it says, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. He's holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need. Verse 25, says he always lives to make intercession for them, that he ministers completely every single day, every single moment. He is in the holy of holies. He is in heaven interceding for one of us. Every single one of us, that's what he's doing. He has no need, so his focus graciously and mercilessly is on us. Praise the Lord for that. He would be so kind to us. Does that not give us confidence? When we go through the, the bad times in life, when we're getting bullied or we're not getting the grades we're supposed to do, we keep getting grounded, everything's, right, everything's going bad, that boy doesn't like me or that girl doesn't like me. When all the things are going crazy, we can always have trust and faith that Jesus is reigning on high and that he's so personal, intentional, focused on interceding for every single one of us. Is that not amazing? Does that not give you hope and faith and trust in him? That no matter what's going on in this world, we have someone that knows us, values us, and loves us. Golly, I hope when you're going through tough times and when you're going through good times, that you know that Jesus is reigning on high and he's ministering personally and completely for you. 
In verse 6 it says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. This is this idea of promises, this new covenant in which Jesus is bringing in through his death and resurrection. It gives us these promises, these things that we can take to the bank. That he is reigning on high and he ministers completely because he was perfect. He sacrificed perfectly for us once and for all, for all of eternity. Not once a year, but once for all. That if we would surrender our life and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, he would save you. Praise the Lord that we have that confidence in Jesus. The third promise we're going to look at is a promise to pour his word and spirit out on us. A promise to pour his word and spirit out on us. Verse 10 and 11. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is the new covenant. After those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach each one of his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the the least of them to the greatest. So we have a God that is personal, that wants to commune with us. The Protestant Reformation, I don't know if you guys have learned much about that, is the break up from the Catholic Church, right? When Protestants went, and that's where a Protestant tradition of the faith, is when they broke away from the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church held all the power. Their their priests held all the power. Their, Their Bibles were in Latin. No one else could read Latin. So it was only the priests that could read the Word of God and, and that was their ability to commune with God. And they're like, that, that's not what I hear in Scripture from when people talk about the Bible. That they can have direct access. Hebrews tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The new covenant, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, means that we have personal access to God. Now in this new covenant, in this way of life in which we live now, he will put laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Is that not encouraging to you? That in the new covenant, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we repent of our sins, we turn away from the wrong in which we've done towards the Lord, and we trust in Jesus, that he died for us, and that he rose from the grave. When we do that and place our faith and trust in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what guides us, produces the fruits of the Spirit, right? I got my fruits of the Spirit shirt on tonight. It's the Holy Spirit in which enables us to live the Christian life. That the new covenant means that we have God within us. Where's the place we could commune with God in the Old Testament? In the tabernacle. Where can we commune with the God in the New Testament, in the new covenant? Wherever we are. Because if we are surrendered to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have access to the living and active word of God. I'm, I know most of y'all probably have multiple copies of God's word in your house. You've got unlimited right, Bibles via your apps on your iPad or your iPhone or your Android, right? Y'all have access to God's word. We can read it. You can, you're looking at your Bible right now, and as middle schoolers, you can read. And you can say, Hebrews 8, Jesus, high priest. You can read and have access to God's word. You have that because the Holy Spirit has enabled and enlightened you to know him. That is a good gift from Jesus. That is a good gift in which we can have confidence and faith and trust in. That no matter what's going on in the world, we know that this 
is much better than anything the world can offer. Anything. Because what the world can offer will not satisfy. What the Old Testament offered within the law could not satisfy what Jesus truly brings us. And, and, And I do not want you to skip over the end of verse 10. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That he says, I will be yours and you will be mine. Y'all ever felt not loved before? Y'all ever felt outcasted before and depressed? Feel like you're on an island and no one is there for you? Feel like no one's in your corner? We never have to believe that as believers. Because we have God as our personal Savior and Lord. That He wants to be our God and He wants you to be His people. That looking around, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are a son or daughter of God. And that's a title and identity that we never waver from and we never want to lose sight of. That we have a God that wants to commune with us, to be with us, to spend time with us, to be personal and intimate with one another. That we have a God that is kind and personal. We praise the Lord for that. And the last promise that he gives us in this new covenant, in this text, it's a promise to save. A promise to save. Verse 12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. One of the things that is a lot of fun with Noble is we played a little games, and right, he's my three-year-old. He turns three next month. Uh, he's so funny. We, Brittany started this game with them where we act like we're like trapped in a couch cushion or something, and uh, we'll say, I need your help, right? There's like a Disney movie or something like that that says that. I need your help, and he acts like, oh, he's helping me, or he'll act like he's stuck, and we'll act like we're helping him, like someone's tugging a war away with him, and we're like, no, we're going to help you. Well, recently, I'll be act like I'm all trapped up. I'm like, Noble, I need your help. And he goes, no, I cannot help you. And I was like, bro, you're just going to let me fall off a cliff like you're not going to help me? Y'all ever felt like no one's helping you? Y'all ever feel like you're alone? We never have to feel like that with Jesus. He promises to save us. When we are in need of help, when we are at the biggest need of help, Jesus says, I will save you. I will help you. Verse 12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities. Iniquities means sin. He says, I will be merciful towards your sin. And I will remember their sins no more. He says, I see the ugliness in your life. I see the worst thing that you've ever done. I've seen and I've heard the most disrespectful thing that you've ever said to your mom and dad. The most hurtful thing you've ever done to your brother or sister. The most hurtful thing you've done to somebody at school. He says, I see the most wicked deed you've ever done. And I choose to be merciful to that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were still actively sinning against the Lord, he sent Christ to die for us. He sent Christ to die for you. That we have this promise in this new covenant that he will save us, that he will look at your sins and he will remember them no more because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the sacrifice that cleanses us from our sin. That's a beautiful promise for us to take to the bank and for us to never forget. If you're a believer in the room, I never want you to forget that. 
Never forget the day that you were saved. Never forget that moment you realized, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, because we are to never leave that mindset. Never leave needing to rely on the Lord, because we need Him. He gives us these promises as a gift. And He gives us salvation as a gift. So believers, never forget that. Believers, never forget these promises. That Jesus is reigning on high, that he ministers to us completely, that he pours his spirit and his word out on us, and that he has saved you. Now there's probably some of you all in the room tonight that have not given their life to Jesus, that you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. The invitation is open to you. Scripture says he will look at your iniquities and be merciful towards them, and he will remember your sins no more. Y'all, we all have a sin problem, and that sin problem earns us death, separation for eternity away from God. And the solution to, to get out of hell and into a relationship with him is to surrender our life and trust that Jesus is the son of God that went to the cross to take our sins, and he died for us. And he defeated death, defeated the most powerful force in this world, death. Three days later, he rose again is now seated with power. He has positional authority in heaven, seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. Would you not want to follow that man? Would you not want to follow the Savior? If you have not given your life to Jesus, it's real simple. As Lance comes up uh, and, and the band comes up and they lead us in a time of worship, if you are a believer in the room tonight, I want you to think about these promises, to think about the scripture and the good news that he gives us through Scripture, that he reigns on high, that he ministers completely, that he pours out his spirit and his word, and that he saves. I want you to praise him. This time, as we sing, is meant to praise God for the good things he's given us, because he is worthy. But if you have not given your life to Jesus, there are leaders all lined up in this back. I will be up here. I will be back there for you. If you want to talk about taking next steps to follow Jesus, I want to be there for you, because I don't want you to miss out on this good and beautiful gift the Lord has given us in salvation in Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your living and active word. God, thank you that you know us, you value us, and you love us, that you are reigning on high no matter what is going on in this world, that you would give us perspective, that you are working all things together for your good. And God, I pray that you, we would understand that no matter the things that we do, the Lord, that you look at our sins. And you remember them no more. That you are merciful towards our iniquities. And that you are interceding for us. That you are intentional for us. That you love us so much. And that you want to commune with us. That we are your people and you are our God. God, thank you for that. And God, I thank you for salvation that is made available to us in Jesus. God, would we praise you for it. And Lord, tonight, would some accept that. It's in Jesus